Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Thank you, Father God, that you are a living God. Thank you that you are the word. Thank you that spoke the word and we heard it. Thank you that faith comes from hearing. Thank you for what you are about to tell us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Today is our third part in JC Profile, in our series JC Profile, the third part. And I told you that the reason we're studying this is so that we can understand one of the most critical passages of Scripture that have to do with, it is like the profile of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to do with the person of Christ. It is the theology of Christ. We call it Christology. It's the theology of Christ. It's the correct understanding of who Jesus is, not from a cultural perspective. Not from a linguistic perspective, not from an ethnic perspective, but from a biblical understanding of Christ as God in the flesh. So that is why we are studying this. So that you, when you witness, member of covenant life, visitor of covenant life, friend of covenant life, when you, when you're witnessing, you give the truth. You're able to give the truth about who Jesus is. And you're not, not only that, but you're able to trust the Christ for who he really is, empowered in your own life. So... We hear and learn in this passage of scripture that Jesus reconciles the church with his own blood. He reconciles the church with his own blood. And Jesus is the perfect husband. He's the perfect husband who washes his bride with his own blood. He, he perfects her. He forgives her. He creates everything he wants for himself in her. He doesn't hold her responsible for her character. He's the one who cleanses her and prepares her. He's not only the perfect uh, husband, he's the perfect head of the church. A head is one that thinks for, cares for, protects and provides. He's the reconciler, he's the peacemaker, he's the cross bearer. All that in verse 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 of Colossians chapter 1. That's where we are. So if you're thinking themes... Two big themes in this passage of scripture. Number one is God. Number two is you. With God, it is the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. I'm giving you the whole passage in two lines. The fullness of God is in Jesus. And number two, in him and through him is all you have. You have everything you need in him and through him. Let's do it again. Two themes in this passage of scripture and you're wrapping up. You're summarizing the entire theme. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 was 18 through 23. You've got God, you've got you. As far as God is concerned, the fullness of God, keyword, fullness of God was in Christ. And number two, through him and in him. Next slide, in him and through him. When you understand this, oh my dear brother and sister, when you understand this, it will blow your mind, it will free your soul, it will give you spiritual wings, it will give you insight into the issues of on earth, problems on earth, relationships, finances, everything. When you get to know who you are and what you have in him. So with that confidence, let's dive in real quick into these very few verses and I want to pick up just from the purity of the text the meaning of this passage, okay? Verse 19, for in him, underline, for in him, that's the key word here. Why? Because the Colossian error, remember? The Colossian error was what? Jesus is less than God. Jesus is an intermediary. Jesus is foremost among the angels who are intermediaries between us and God. There is no exclusivity. There is no deity in Christ. He is purely just an intermediary. And that was the error. And he's saying, that is Paul speaking to the Colossian church, 
in him all the fullness of God was. It was pleased to dwell. Let's do that again. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now, when we talk about that, we look at the person Jesus, his body. We look at him as a Jewish man. We look at him as a little under six feet maybe or six feet tall. We look at him as someone who is Mary and Joseph's son, uh, grew up with several brothers and sisters, and in an ethnic setup over there. Got it. But in him, in Christ, not in the body necessarily, but in Jesus, the represented, the image of God, there was no diminishing of the God head. There was no diminishing of deity. He was not diminished even by one percent. All of God was in all of Jesus. All of Jesus is all of God. And all of God took on flesh. I don't know if you get that. I don't know if you get the, the weight of that. All of God took on flesh. That's a miracle. If all of God can take on flesh, flesh can have all of God present in me. Present to me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Be careful. This could go in different ways. But if Jesus in the flesh could be an experience of all that God is, and me in Jesus in the flesh has access to all that God is. There is no part of God. There's no power of God, no provision of God, no person of God that is inaccessible to you in Christ you have complete and full access to God in Christ please think about that I would love to go on and give you examples and get into life examples but think about that and mark it there for in him the fullness of God and you get to this phrase that says pleased to dwell the word pleased which means it was God's will it was God's will, not pleasure like the way we experience pleasure, but pleasure in the way it was, that was his will, that's what he wanted. And the word dwell is to live in. He exists in, he lives in. It wasn't a tenting, just as in a tent or in a, for a short period of time. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't God for a little bit and then he became God back again. None of it. He was always, is and always will be one and truly, fully God. Why is this so important? Because the Colossians were thinking otherwise. You and I are introduced to all sorts of heresies as we move on through our life. We're dealing with intellectuals. We're dealing with agnostics. We're dealing with atheists. We're talking to all sorts of people. And every presentation of uh, their rationale is very convincing, very logical. And you've got to be careful. What are we saying here? Christ was not diminished at all in his deity. All of him was present in Christ. All of Christ is God. So Christ is not diminished. Move to the second part. Through him and in him. And through him to reconcile to himself. Reconcile to himself. So Jesus is reconciling you by going to the cross, shedding his blood, paying for your sin. But what I want you to pick up on is Jesus is reconciling you to himself. Oh, but Pastor Jeremy, I thought you said that he was reconciling us to the Father. Yes, but he also said, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. So being in the Father, he is also playing Savior and he's also playing Reconciler. 
He's also playing savior. He's also playing judge. Do you remember judge from last time? We talked about Jesus being the judge of all the earth from last time. Yes, he is the savior and he is the judge. He's the savior and he is God. He is 100 fully, completely God in the fullness of God. So God the father here, Jesus over here, he takes you and by the shedding of his blood, he washes your sin and then he presents you to himself. He presents you to himself. So you begin to see how Christ is taking care of every aspect of your salvation. He's both your savior and your sovereign. He's the one who is the, he cleanses you. He's the one who's doing this for you. Christianity is what God has done for you. Christianity is not religion. Religion is what you do for God. Religion is what you do for deities. Religion is what you do for the unknown. Religion is what you do for the, the Param Atma, whatever that might be, or some universal force, or however you would understand. Christianity, that's Christ in you, is all about what Jesus has done for you. My goodness, so much guilt. So much guilt. So much preaching that is slamming and condemning. You need to do this. You need to do more of this. This is not good enough. That is not good enough. You get beat up through the week and then you come to church and you get beat up even more. You feel guilty through the week and you come to church and feel guilty even more. No wonder people don't want to go to church. People don't want to read their Bible because everything is from a guilt perspective. Let it go. This Christ is the one who takes your sin and kills it on the cross. And then he puts holiness in you and presents you as perfect before the Savior. And who's before the Father? And who is he presenting it to? Himself. Who is to be pleased by this presentation? Himself. What standard does he need to meet to please him? His own. So he knows his standard. He knows the sacrifice. He does the cleansing. He does the presentation, the reconciling, the cross-bearing, the, the, the presenting. And he's the one who receives with fullness of joy and with absolute, absolute acceptance. You have been absolutely accepted. No conditions. Every year when I went to the next class, I was given provisional promotion. I was very flattered until I understood what provisional meant. Okay, so it was only two months into that, uh, that year that I would have to, that I would figure out that I was staying in that class. Then they would tell me, you can now stay in heaven. We would give you provisional promotion into heaven. And now you can stay in heaven because we've cleared the records. Everything is fine. You are okay. You're good to go. After you get 450 re-examinants, re-exams. I'm just kidding. But you know what I'm talking about? You have been fully accepted. You have been joyfully accepted. You have been lovingly accepted. Who made you, get this CL members, get this brothers and sisters, who made you fit for the kingdom? Who made you fit for heaven? Who presented you and washed you clean and perfected you and brought you up to the ISO mark for heaven? Jesus. Jesus did that. So Jesus is the one who does the cleansing and the presenting and Jesus is the one who does the accepting and are you getting me? That's what this passage is about. And that is what tells you that there's nothing you can do. Oh, Pastor Jerry, don't tell them this. I'm going to tell them. 
There is nothing you can do to diminish the work of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing you can do to accentuate the sinfulness of your own soul. You cannot declare yourself more bad than God can forgive. And you can't declare God less forgiving than you have sinned. Pastor, they don't tell them this. It will lead them, lead them to a life of doing what they want. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O oh Lord. Knowing that you love us, no matter what we do, makes us want to love you too. What, is, what, what a different life if I could live for Jesus out of gratitude instead of fear and, and guilt. So, Verse 19, for in him the fullness of God. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. He is reconciling the whole world to himself. Remember, it's not about you. Remember, you are not the center of God's plan. Remember, you are not the center of the plan of salvation. Remember, the cross is not the center of God's plan. The cross is not the center of God's plan. The cross is where your sin was dealt with. And that had to be done in order for the center of God's plan to be brought about. And the center of God's plan is the glory of God. God is to be glorified above all things. He is to be worshipped above all things. His name is to be called on above all things. And in the Garden of Eden, in paradise, that was lost by Adam number one. Adam number two has come along to, to, to bring about the comprehensive rehabilitation, the comprehensive restoration of the glory of God. What Adam lost, Adam two is going to regain. Adam too is going to regain. Pastor Jeremy, why do you say he's going to? Because a day is coming when he will bring all things under his feet. And when he has brought all things under his feet, God the Father will raise Jesus up to bring everything under him so that God would be all in all and that at his name every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Jesus is the second Adam that comes in to restore all of creation. Romans chapter 8 says creation itself is groaning, waiting for the sons of men to be redeemed and to be revealed. So once the church is complete and God is finished with the church, he is now going to turn his attention to the Jews and the Israelite and the whole covenant with Abraham. Once he has done with that, he's going to turn his attention to creation. And when he's done with that, at the end, he will wrap up everything and all of creation in heaven and earth is going to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's going to be restored to perfection and you and I will be spectators to that. You'll be there. I will be there. We will see it happen. We will see restoration. We will see the Garden of Eden. We will see the Tree of Life. We will see God's plan fulfilled. God's will fulfilled. Through him to reconcile to himself all things. All things. So you are not the center of God's plan. Your sin is not the center of God's plan. God, Jesus came into the world to die for my sin. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Jesus came into the world to restore the glory of the Father. Jesus came into the world for the Father. Jesus came into the world because he loved the Father. Jesus came into the world because he'll do anything for the Father, even give his own life. Now, God the Father says to you, if Jesus can do that, this mind he has given to you, now you, are you willing to give up everything for Jesus? Will you live for Jesus? Will you give your life, your career, your 
family, your dreams, your passions, will you give it for Jesus? Not give it up, but give it to. Do you understand the meaning? Do you understand the meaning? Not give it up, but give it to Christ. Let him have the glory because he is the great reconciler. He's the great redeemer. Making peace by the blood of his cross. So heaven and earth are both redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You are there in that grand scheme of things. And we are part of a global universal restoration of the glory of God. Verse 21, and you. Verse 21, and you. Let's talk about you. And you who were once listed with me. Listed with me. Number one. And you who were once. Come on, CL. And you who were once alienated. And you were hostile. And you were. Okay, let's do it again. And you who were. Where? You were. It's past tense. That's not you anymore. Now you are not involved in evil deeds. Now you are not hostile now you are not alienated you are brought close you are a friend of God your mind is in sync with God and your deeds are the good deeds that God is doing through you as a masterpiece Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 9 and 10 alienated hostile evil deeds that's me on my own I'll do that again alienated hostile evil deeds that's me on my own but in Jesus verse 22 he has now reconciled in his body in his body in his that's why we come to the table over and over again that's why we break the bread and when it goes katak, we remember ah there's no sin in him there was no sin in him he has now reconciled us in his body by his death so he takes you everything that is alienated evil deeds hostile mind he takes it into himself and he takes it to the grave and he buries it for good and he rises in you Jesus with the fullness of God the fullness of God in you okay he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you and this is what Jesus has now done for you so in yourself on your own you are say it, alienated hostile and mild Doing evil deeds. But in Jesus, the new you, the redeemed you, the reconciled you, look at what Jesus has done. What did I tell you? Christianity is about what Jesus has done for you. 22. In order to present you, in order to present you, now this is your profile in Christ. This is your profile in Christ. In order to present you, number one, say it like you believe it. Say it like you're happy about it. Holy holy i mean that is the biggest joke in heaven the day i stand before god and this sinner is received as a saint <laughs> and the angels are like oh no oh no 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 we saw him there that's not him at all the demons are like point 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 Chapter 5 of Romans explains how God takes a sinner and justifies him. God takes a sinner and makes, you know what justified is, right? You know in word, word document, when you justify it. So when all the sentences don't meet the ends, and you don't meet the margin, when you justify it, it all becomes equal. You match up, you measure up. He justifies you. 
He makes you fit for the presence of God. He makes you fit for heaven. You don't do it. You don't do it with your works. You don't do it with your goodness. You don't even do it with your evangelization for goodness sake. There is nothing you are doing because of which you are getting to heaven. You are being carried into heaven in the person of Christ. You are being carried into heaven because you are reconciled to the Father. You are being carried into heaven because of number one, you have been made holy. Because only holy people are allowed into heaven. But you can't be holy and praise God you don't have to be. Because he's the one who makes you read it and believe it. For the rest of your life, read it and believe it. Right here in verse 22. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you. Come on, you're smart people. Who presents you holy to God? Jesus. Who knows holiness? Jesus. Who knows what we really are like? Jesus. Who presents us, who presents us holy? Jesus. How does he do that? He washes us with his blood. He washes us with his blood. He cleanses us with the efficacy. Remember that word. The efficacy of his blood. You cannot add anything or subtract anything from the atoning work that Christ has done for you. You can never be bad enough and you can never be good enough for what Christ has done for you. Three things in Christ, what God has done for you, what Jesus does in you. He presents you, a former sinner, as holy. Number two, he presents you blameless. Blameless. You're going to step into heaven and for eternity, you're never going to have what is known as an imposter syndrome. You will never have an imposter syndrome. Right now we live with, <laughs> with that. Every moment we live with that, somebody's going to tell everybody what we, what we really like. Someone is going to reveal what I'm really like. Someone is going to reveal my heart. Someone, if only someone comes to know my thoughts, if sometimes someone comes to know my actions or my past, I'm finished, I'm gone. We're holding our integrity by the, oh, but to, to know that I am accepted in heaven, the holiest place, because God is there. And I'm there because of Jesus and because of what he has done. And he's the one who's presenting me to himself. So there's no third party that he's going to change their mind about me. You are forever acceptable. You are forever acceptable in Christ. blameless every day satan points his finger at you every day he makes you feel guilty never again never again and the third one is above reproach that's getting more and more first is holy then is like blameless you can't even pick anything from the past and then above reproach you can't even pick anything to in new end just to, just to somewhat insinuate that you might have that sin no above reproach Above reproach, there's no sign of any sin in your life. No residue, no marks, no shades of any sin in your life. When Jesus presents you, he presents you shiny. He presents you complete. He presents you perfect. So Jesus is doing the presenting. Jesus is doing the accepting. Jesus is doing the dying. Jesus is doing the living. Jesus is doing the saving. Jesus is doing the sovereignty. It's all about Jesus. So if indeed you figure this out, if you understand it, then continue. Come on, let's close this. Continue. Verse 23. If indeed you get this, if indeed you understand this, then continue. Go on. Four things. Number one, go on in your faith. Go on in your faith. What are the things that build your faith? Attending church. Being with believers. 
praying along with believers, experiencing God's goodness and telling others about it, experiencing God's provision and telling others about it. What builds your faith? Number two, stable, stable, consistency. That means discipline, consistency. That means the same thing over and over. So if my holidays change, my relationships change, my interests change, my faith mustn't change. My life must be built around making sure that what attains to my faith, what has to do with my faith is in place. I don't negotiate the things that keep my faith going. Number one, continue in faith. Number two, stability. Number three, steadfastness. Steadfastness is another word, it's, called, it's probably endurance. Endurance, keep it up. Keep up the stamina of your spiritual life. Somebody said no to you. Somebody didn't love you back. Somebody didn't come through for you. Baas, khatam. Bye-bye, God. Bye-bye, God. I know, I know, I believe, I believe in you, but I, I just need a break. I just need a break. One week. That one week becomes one year. That one year becomes five years. Pastor, this has been a long time since I've been to church. I, I said, I know, I've been waiting for you. We've been praying. And you wait for people to do the full roundabout. Steadfast, endurance. It is a race. You will run out of steam. You will come across hurdles. You will see people outrun you. You will have cheaters kick you off the field, kick you off the track. You will have cramps. You will run out of energy. You will run out of motivation. But you keep the faith. You keep stability. You keep, this is what you can do, my brothers and sisters. This is what you can discipline yourself to do. And this is how you can maintain your gratitude for his glory. Number one, faith. Number two, st stability. Number three, steadfast. And number four, not shifting. I learned it in King James Version. Being immovable. Being immovable. From what? From the hope of the gospel. From the hope of the gospel. Being immovable. Nothing can shake that hope which is in the gospel. Let's go over it again. Four things. Number one. What are you in yourself? What are you in yourself? By yourself, without Jesus, what are you? Number one. Alienated. Thank you. Alienated. Number two. Hostile in mind. Number three. Doing evil deeds. That was the previous me. That was the un-Jesus me. That was a non-Christian me. Okay. Now in Christ, what am I? Come on, say it to me. I am holy. I am blameless. And I am above reproach. Wow, in Jesus I've been presented in heaven as perfect. Fantastic. Now, if I get this, what should I do? Number one, go on in my faith. Number two, stable. Number three, steadfast. Number four, immovable. Immovable. In the hope that God is calling. Do some math. Do some logical thinking here. Where does hope come from? Hope comes from faith. Where does faith come from? Yes! Thank you, Anita. Hope comes from? No. Hope comes from? Faith. Faith comes from? Hearing the word of God. Not, not reading, hearing. For some reason it's hearing and not reading. So you've got to say it out aloud. You've got to hear the word of God. You've got to hear the Sunday messages. You've got to hear the midweek messages. My wife has a very interesting app that she listens to. And every day there's a beautiful devotion. Very quick, very simple. There's a beautiful devotion. I also put out a devotion every day, but she doesn't listen to that. I don't know why. But anyway, 
hear the word of God every day, when you hear the word of God consistently, when you hear the voice of God consistently, it will drown out any other voice of despair, voice of uncertainty, voice of, of condemnation, voice of guilt, voice of anything else. And it will assure you. And that voice, that hearing will lead to faith. That faith will keep your hope alive. That hope will keep you stable. That hope will keep you steadfast. And that hope will maintain your faith. And your faith is the most important currency on earth. It is for which God himself has tested it with fire that he may present you to himself based on your faith, not on your performance. Based on your faith, not on your performance. Let's close. Jesus has reconciled us to himself with his own blood and brought peace, number one. Number two, Jesus presents us perfect to himself. Jesus presents us perfect to himself without blemish and above reproach. I will never get over that. Jesus presents us to himself without blemish. He's a good husband. He's a good husband. Remember, that's not you, it's the church. And the church is his bride. And he died for the church. And he loves the church. And he washes the church with the water of his word. Every day he washes the church. Every Sunday he washes the church. Every week he washes the church. With the blood he cleansed and bought her back. And he presents her to himself. Husbands, listen to me. Men, listen to me. Young men. You are responsible for the wife you want. You are responsible for the wife you want. She has not been given to you to make you happy. She's been given to you to make you holy. Listen to me, men. Most of you are not here. You're sitting at home in your pajamas. Listen to me. That wife that God gave you, that wife that God is preparing for you, that wife that God is growing for you, growing in the Lord, has been given to you to get you a better understanding of what Jesus does for the church. Marriage is... A heaven, an earthly representation of Jesus and the church. Jesus and the church is the real thing. Marriage is the image. We don't have a marriage like Jesus in the church. Sorry, we don't have Jesus in the church like a marriage, but we have marriage in the church, marriage like Jesus and the church. We are to look to Him, and He says He was willing to die for her. He's willing to die for her, and He did. And he washes her clean. That means there is nothing that's unacceptable. Why is it not? Why is it okay? Why are all her blemishes and all her crink, you know, all her, her blemishes and all her impurities and all her imperfections? Why is it okay? Because it's his body. It's his body. You're comfortable with yourself naked in front of the mirror. At home, when you go for a shower, whatever you are becoming, you are comfortable. You accept it. Apna body hai. It's yours. And he says, you, she is your body. She's, she's the extension of you. Look after her. Take care of her. Honor her. Keep her. Be faithful to her. Wash her. Cleanse her. And prepare her for yourself. You are responsible for the wife you want. You are to give yourself to prayer and to fasting so that she may be close to you, close to Christ. You are to Wash her clean with your words. Jesus washes the church clean with the water of his word. You are to wash her clean with your words. Cleanse her of her, of her, of her fears with your words. Cleanse her of her insecurities with your promising words, your preserving words, your assuring words. You are to be Jesus to the church. What Jesus is to the church, you are to be to your wife. 
Today, men and the world teaches you to look for standards, to look around, and to set everything based on what you see. Jesus doesn't love the church based on what he sees. He loves the church based on what she sees. Christ. So I say, I say to you men, as I say to myself, and I remind myself every day, that my marriage is only as strong as my walk with Jesus. My husbandry is only as good as my walk with Jesus. And I am called to cleanse her, to assure her, to build her, to love her, to edify her, and to strengthen her. Now when you and I as a church recognize that this is what Christ does with us, and he presents us to himself, holy and blameless and without, that means he's not blaming us. He's not pointing fingers. He's not commanding, demanding anything. And that is what we are required to do. That also means correcting. It also means advising. It also means leading. It also means protection from her own uh, misgivings. But take this home with you. Take this home with you. All God's strength you have in you. All God's wisdom you have in you. All God's grace you have in you because the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. We are richly supplied. We are richly supplied. Don't say you don't have it in you. You do. Don't say you can't, you can't do it. You do. You can. His love is poured into our hearts. Hope is alive. Forgiving others is possible. He guarantees a stable future by his own presence. He guarantees a stable future by his own presence. How are you going to do that? By listening to the word. Hearing, faith, faith, hope, hope. Tuck, 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 tuck. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you have taught us this morning. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you that it is not up to us. Oh, I thank you so much it's not up to us. Thank you that I don't have to be the saint that goes into heaven. You make me that. And I don't have to be the husband that my wife needs. You will make me that. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you for the blood of Christ. I praise you for the spirit of God that lives in me. I praise you that I live in Jesus. I just, I'm blessed beyond measure. I have a million reasons to be grateful. I thank you. I thank you. Hi, I'm Jeremy Dawson, and if you liked what you just saw, if it was a blessing, then hit the subscribe button. Come on, you can do it. Hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us. Lots of videos coming your way, songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know. Write a comment in the section below, but let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe. <laughs>